and we are recording on audio, but I'm going to put the video screen up so we can see ourselves. Great. All right, we are going. We are live-ish, not live, Ish. really, right. um, live. but we are recording, <laughs> yeah. right, which is the important part. Check my uh, so normally on our podcast, on Submit of the Box, uh, it's me and my lovely wife, Lissa, who you also know very well, Yep. but today it's Wayne. you and me, Bill Brenner, the Bill Brenner. Uh, <laughs> One of many, I'm sure. But So quick, I guess I'll do a quick introduction for you. Okay. Uh, Bill Brenner to me, we're going to say uh, unofficial mentor, uh, kind of my boss, definitely a friend, right? <laughs> um, world traveler, United States definitely traveler. Sure. How often do you travel? Like how many weeks a year? Uh, 50. 50 weeks a year. Okay. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Avid traveler, uh, COO of U.S. Master Swimming. Um, director of Education for U.S. Master Swimming. Right. Uh, what am I missing? Uh, club and Code Service Director. I'm in charge of getting new clubs established throughout the country, workout groups, um, getting more master's programming in aquatic facilities. Got it. So um, this podcast is much different than our normal setup where, where we just finished a class for uh, adaptive adult learn to swim uh, with Disabled Sports USA. We are in Atlanta, and we're in our my hotel room. There was a backdrop of, of the city of Atlanta, but the light was a little bit weird. So we decided mm, maybe we should not do that. Right. Uh, and there's no table in this room, so the mics are in our hand, which is also a little bit different. Uh, don't be afraid to put that mic really close to your mouth, by the way, because your mic's a little bit quieter than my mic. Okay. So I'll I'm, try not to. Yeah, yeah. Just eat it. It's fine. Just like don't drop what it. What you though. see on TV and the music videos. It's right. That's, That's right. why they keep getting up in there. Right, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so, last podcast that we did, we try to keep things a theme, um, but this is going to be a diversion of that. So, the last podcast we did was about Butterfly. Well, I don't want to talk to you about Butterfly. I think you are much more knowledgeable about other things other than just technique. Sure, you have great depth in technique, for sure. I could talk to you about that some other time, though. Right? I wanted to talk to you I, about teaching and learning. Um, as obviously teachers, we teach swimming, uh, so we're coaches, instructors, teachers, whatever you want to call it. We all have our own separate way of teaching, uh, and then also an understanding of learning, how certain people learn. There's the obvious, was it five forms of learning, learning styles. styles? Yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about how people learn. What I'm talking about is more about understanding uh, motor skills and, and why is it that someone can demonstrate a motor skill and then not have it like, the next day, right? Um, so I spend a lot of time in front of the endless pool, which has helped me understand that people can't really maintain a new motor skill for more than 15 seconds, and outliers can only do 20 seconds, right? So that's a very short period of time. And in the endless pool, that's nothing. I can turn someone on, uh, the current on, and this would get really upset if I turned everybody on. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that could be a problem. That could be a problem. Yeah. Um, I could turn the current on, I could stop them immediately. But in a traditional pool, how do you get someone to only swim for roughly 15 seconds? How do they know when they start falling apart? 
they don't, right? So what ends up happening is they swim at 25 and they just lose everything, right? right. So for me, I like to focus on that 15 seconds and say, okay, here's the new motor skill that we're gonna learn. I teach them the movements in slow motion first, and then we just kind of make it a little more fluid, a little more fluid, a little bit more fluid. And I never let them go beyond 15 seconds unless they're looking really good. And if they can do 20 seconds, awesome, great. But I never let anyone go past that 20 second mark. And I think it's really important for people just to know this little tiny tidbit of information about how we work as humans, that this has actually scientifically been proven. New motor skills can only be maintained for X amount of time. As you do that new motor skill, the time increases. So we can use that really easily for programming, right? For, for writing a workout or writing, not even necessarily workout, but maybe homework from a lesson where it's, it's okay, do five yards of this. And now try to do it for 10 yards. Now try to do it for 12 and a half yards. But I don't want you to do it more than 12 and a half yards, all right? And then maybe in three weeks you can do it for a 25. Don't worry about that. It's still recording. Um, so it's, it's programmable, but people have to be patient be willing to understand that this new motor skill is different. It will feel weird. It's not supposed to feel the same. And you can use that as a, a physical learning cue, right? So it's another way of learning is through these physical cues that tell you, oh, this feels weird. It's very important. Yeah. Right? Um, they have to feel, they have to recognize when something's different that they're doing something more correct than they were before. A lot of times you have to search out what that feel is, what that visual is, even what that sound is, uh, and make sure that they understand that's how they're going to recognize when they're doing it correctly. So if I'm in a pool that's 25 yards and I'm have, having them go the entire 25 yards, not just halfway, uh, it's about what you should be recognizing that you're doing outside of the skill itself, outside of that mechanic. And that's why it's so important. I see so many master's coaches make the mistake of overwhelming their swimmers right. with technique. Uh, you know, we, we teach in the Adult Learn to Swim certification program that keep it simple, keep it to three. Well, that's sometimes overwhelming for people to keep right. it to three points, like this, this, and this. Well, no, how about just this? And that's why I think it's very important to have skills as a coach to be able to isolate certain mechanics in somebody's stroke that's going to improve their stroke. Too many coaches try to fix the problem instead of figuring out what caused the or problem. Or how they think about that problem. Correct. And right. how they're going to visualize or how they're going to feel, how they're going to self-correct. Because most of us are not screaming in somebody's ear the entire time they're swimming. Now, there is some technology that's coming that's going to make that. Which I don't. They, Finis makes a device that you can sure. wear and uh, in your is ear. coming out one. Yeah, and you, so you would wear the device, the swimmer would wear a device that they hear, the coach would be speaking in a microphone and it works through Bluetooth, so the swimmer can be hearing the coach the entire time. Could be overwhelming. Uh, as a coach, I don't like that idea. I have had some of my clients say, hey, have you thought about doing this so you can talk to me while I swim? Well, Didn't I'm not having you swim more than 15 or 20 seconds anyway. So why don't you listen to me, Yes. <laughs> let your thoughts kind of process the information versus having constant feedback. Constant feedback isn't always the best. Because it's very limited amount of time they're actually spending with us or listening to us do the correction versus the time that they actually spend swimming. Right. In an entire practice, you may talk to, if you've got 30 people in the pool, you're going to talk to each and every one if you're a good coach. 
but how much time are you really going to spend on their technique during the main set? Are you going to right. isolate that during certain warm-up or certain time of, a, of another set, maybe a warm-up set? But think about what they need to be thinking about each and every stroke. And are they thinking about that? Hopefully a little bit, but that gets overwhelming too. Right. And it gets to be, wait, am I even doing this right? Right. So a lot of athletes want to get better and they want to perfect their stroke. Nobody's going to ever have the perfect stroke, but can their stroke get better? Absolutely. And if we take it one athlete at a time with what they have, helping them if they're willing to accept help, because not every adult swimmer is willing to accept help. Even if they come to for private lessons, they're always willing, by the way. Sure. Yeah. Or that they it doesn't feel normal to them. It doesn't feel comfortable. Well, a lot of things don't always feel comfortable in life, even though that's the right, the right thing to do or the right way to do something. Right. So we have to really entertain the thought of the why they're doing it, why they should be doing it, something different than what they're doing now, and get in their heads a little bit of, is this going to improve my goal? What is my goal, and am I going to get there faster? Am I going to get there um, even above and beyond that particular goal? You know, what's their motivation to come to swimming? Yeah. And if it's better technique, great. If it's getting faster, great. Swimming longer distance, great. It, it does boil down to the right technique, and you've just got to give them the why. And if you don't, you're missing out on an important feature of a coach. What do you think about um, over-exaggerated cues? Like sometimes I feel like I'll ask people to make really big movements so that they have to feel things. Yeah. That's but I get worried about it, too. Well, my philosophy, too, is I, I don't always teach the movement. I don't always teach mm -hmm. certain th results of something that's going to happen in their technique. I try to find cues or ways of, for people to think that create then the mechanic itself instead of just yes. concentrating on the mechanic. Whether it's as simple as when you, you know, putting your hand in the water and backstroke with your opposite hip or whether it's lifting your hand out of the water and backstroke with your shoulder instead of your hand, a lot of that creates something that I don't teach because then it gets to be over-exaggerated. And when coaches spend too much time spending on a technique that you can create just through proper mechanic instead of the mechanic itself, uh, I think the swimmers are going to be more receptive to making the change and they don't overdo things right. to the degree that it's like, oh my gosh, why did I ever ask them to do that? Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th I think it's... Um Important to realize that just like strength and conditioning, I don't know if you've ever heard this concept of strength and conditioning, if someone has a bad movement, put weight on it, right? Make them do it weighted, and then those movements start getting corrected because they have to use the right things. Good point. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very similar in swimming. If you generate the right amount of resistance during your pull on your arm or your hand, your body will react to it as long as you're putting your body in a position to react. Yeah. All right. So and, that, those are the cues that I look for as well. And, and some of the things that you can do in swimming is resistance band. That they're swimming with a band uh, attached to the opposite end of the pool or to a, uh, a starting block, for example, with a belt around yeah. your waist. And you're going out and you start feeling that resistance. Well, then you start getting immediate feedback. Okay, can I be doing this differently to create more power that I'm going to get a little bit further because this band is pulling on me. So that's yeah. one way that we would, we would do that same concept in, in swimming. And I find that very effective, especially yeah. for somebody's breaststroke pull. Because how do you oh, teach yeah. where they should be pulling? It's not as simple as freestyle when it's like, okay, hand enter above the shoulder, get an early vertical forearm catch, 
Right. Finish the stroke at the end. Don't go past the midline. Okay. But with breaststroke, okay, coach, how far out sweep do I go? Right. When do I start my regular pull? And then when do I finish the stroke and start my end sweep? And how do I gain acceleration on my the finish of my stroke before I go take another stroke so I can get out of the way of my, my kick? Right. So that resistance tubing does exactly that. And, yeah. and the same with a lot of a lot of the other strokes, where's your power zone? Where is your power zone for all four strokes? Uh, and then one way to find it is to add that resistance. Yeah. So, so we always, at Swimbox, we always use uh, ankle bands to help cause obvious resistance. Right. Not just, it's not about the legs having the resistance, it's about the legs having something to push against so that the core can then react to that resistance. And so we do the same thing with paddles in freestyle. So I use paddles not to help people gain strength in any way. I always ask my, my swimmers not to try to pull harder when they have paddles. Pull the same, same level of effort. Just start recognizing how that resistance is changing the way that your body reacts or reflexively sure. reacts to this change of resistance. Uh, we also use a lot of um, wrist weights as well yeah. and ankle weights. Well, I find using that resistance as well, it forces them to use the proper muscle groups or muscle groups that they may not be using right now, like, like if you're doing freestyle. When somebody's getting a, a good catch, uh, you know, are you using your lats or are you just using your shoulders to swim and your, your arms? Uh, you know, how do you create the most effective paddle? And sometimes you've got to use the toys mm -hmm. uh, that, that we have at our disposal in right. creative ways to, uh, to create that. Yeah, I, um, I really have moved away from trying to isolate the use of a muscle. You ready? Watch this. I just engaged my lat. I didn't go anywhere. Right? Just because I tell you to use your lat doesn't mean it makes you swim better. Right. And I think that's a huge misconception with especially new swimmers because they go online and they've read some articles, right. they've looked at some YouTube channels. Everyone always says I need to swim with my lats. Yeah. But you also have a whole entire back that needs to be activated. And if you just think about your lat being activated, you're missing out on all those other supporting muscles that then trigger all the reactions through your core that we're looking for. So you don't have to think, I have to rotate, because if you trigger those reactions, you rotate automatically. Right. And I know that you don't right. like to cue rotation necessarily, so part of not cueing rotation is cueing other good movements in the chain of events. Absolutely. All right? yep. Um, yep. So I have figured out or learned over the years of coaching that everyone speaks slightly different language. Right. Um, normally, I connect with people pretty quickly, but I had one of my favorite clients, all-time favorite clients. I've been working with her for years, but it's not until this year that I figured out her language. I can say things now in a way that she can just physically repeat. Does that make sense? I say what I want to see from her, and then it starts happening. Where last year, the year before that, it was always the opposite. I would ask her to do something, and it was almost exactly opposite of what I asked her to do. Even though in her mind, she was trying to do what I told her to do. Right? So you have to kind of build a rapport with the coach in a way. Like you have to make sure you're on the same page. How you do that is tricky. I think as a coach, you have to ask if people understand, but that also becomes just chatter in the background a lot of times. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. I'm going to go. Okay. Yeah. See you later. All right. Um, but it, I don't know the feedback. What what feedback do you have? Any like feedback that you would look for from a swimmer to know that like they're connecting with you? 
You know, that's that's difficult. I think you have to start with the fact that if you, they have to be receptive to the change. And then once you're giving them some direction, how quickly they can pick up on something. But once again, don't overwhelm them too far. Yeah. You give them the why, give them the chance to ask questions why, and then get the feedback. I see too many coaches make the mistake of giving some correction to a, to a swimmer, having them push off. The swimmer goes, looks up at the end of whatever they finish swimming and looking for the feedback immediate from the coach. And the coach isn't there. They've moved on to somebody else. So it's, right. it's, it's that disconnect that then people start really disconnecting. I think uh, the most effective coaches concentrate on certain things, give the feedback, make the corrections as quickly as possible, uh, have them do it until they can basically master whatever they were doing, even if it's for that short period of time, even for 15 seconds. Uh, you know, coaches just generally try to overcoach in many cases. Yeah, they don't let the swimmer uh, figure it out. These are adults that we're working with. It's they're not kids. Right, and many of them are come from professions that, you know, they're the architects. They're the the people that understand or engineers or engineers. Yeah, you got to speak to them a little bit in their language so that they uh, can conceptualize just from their experience outside of the pool because so many of them maybe didn't have any kind of coaching, uh, didn't have your level of coaching where they're like really being tested. You know, uh, a lot of what we do as coaches tests people ability. We challenge people, whether it's in the pool to get faster, to swim further, or to swim better. And, you know, the idea is every time you give people something to do different or something to do, give them a purpose of doing it so that then when they push off that wall and they start swimming or kicking or doing a drill, they have the best chance of succeeding of doing it right. Because once again, so many of, so much of swimming is habitual. It really is. Yeah. And it's, if we continue to let them, uh, continue to let them reinforce bad habits, then it's just never going to change. But if we can change the, the habit, if we can get them to adopt something new, so it becomes more adaptive into their stroke and the more repetitions that when they do it correctly, the more habitual it becomes. Right. And we just don't think along those lines of giving it time. It takes time. Adults have some issues with learning uh, and the ability to learn quickly. They all want immediate satisfaction, yeah. but a lot of times they're just not willing to continue to repeat something beyond you watching them do it time that you're, you're, you're hovering over watching what they're doing. So give them the cues, give them homework assignments, when they leave practice of maybe what they should be looking for in front of a mirror at yeah. home, you know, give them a video of what they did during that practice. You know, once again, my, my big thing is take video of them when they're not ex expecting the yeah. video to be taken. Um, you know, sometimes we'll do, uh, people bring your phones today, leave them by the side of the pool because I'm going to use your phone to videotape you. So I'm not sitting there video, you know, sending videos out all the time, but I do that too. Yeah. Well, give them homework. I, I think it's important. Hey, I'm giving you an assignment. So when they come back, they've already thought about it for maybe 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Not just, hey, you're springing this on me right now. I'm in the middle of my workout. Right. You, know, you have that kind of learning style. So it's like, hey, we're working on that tomorrow. So be prepared. Yeah. Get in front of the mirror. See what you're doing, with where that hand is entering in, you know, in your backstroke. Or see where you're putting your hand in, in the front. You're crossing over. You don't believe me. I'm showing you the video. But get in front of the mirror and change it. Feel it. Yeah, I, actually, you bringing up the mirror is a really good point. I like to pe have people go home and watch themselves in a the mirror. It is probably the best way, in my opinion, 
for someone to learn a new movement outside of the water. Because a lot of times when you learn a movement outside of the water, it does not translate. Well, that's what I like about the endless pool. Right. You've got the mirror on the bottom where you right. can give people instant feedback. It isn't a video of them that they're stop doing what they're doing. Right look at it, and then have to go back and try to execute something different. It gives them that immediate feedback of, wait, I see what he's, you know, I see what he's, I see what he's seeing. Right. Right away, what am I going to do to make it where he's happy or she's happy about the technique? And wow, that's what it feels like to do this. Yeah. And, and you know, close your eyes, open your eyes, you sit in the same spot after a few strokes. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what we do, by the way. We'll get it and we'll do it. We'll do it. We will do so many reps without even breathing, so people can just watch the entire time, or throw a snorkel on, so they can watch for you know 20, 30 seconds without ever being out of breath. And then we ask them, okay, now do it with your eyes closed. We'll take the mirror away so they don't have to close their eyes because it'd be a little comfortable for some people. Some people it's really comfortable, which is really weird. But yeah. that's another another podcast topic. Don't swim with your eyes closed. Um, not smart, um, but we remove the mirror so that they can see if they can have that same sensation. Then I, I literally ask them, what was your sensation? Right. How did you process that? And then I can have that common language with them and I can surmise what they're saying and then we can have shorthand in a way. Um, just the other day, I was using the shorthand of uh, telling people where the corner of their shoulder blade is in quotation marks, right? I would point it on, i touch it on the back, this is the corner of your shoulder blade, I want you to put the corner down to bring your arm back, and when you want your arm to come out of the water, I want it to go in towards your spine. And everyone so far has connected with that. Because it's a physical cue they, they can actually feel. And they, they the, the corner of the shoulder blade is something that's very recognizable to people. I don't know why, but it is. So I use it. Um, so use the mirror at home for sure to help learn things. And earlier you brought up visualization. I think it's really important for people to visualize, and there's a couple of things that I've learned about visualization when it comes to learning technique, which is visualize in a first-person perspective from your point of view, not third-person. So I always used to visualize from a third-person perspective, like I was watching myself, I was coaching myself, so to speak, and I could see my movements. But apparently, if you do it through your first-person perspective, your brain uses those muscles. So you're not watching as much as you are pretending, right? So it's pretending of using those muscles from that first-person perspective that actually starts building the habit. So you actually do build new neurological pathways from visualization if you do it effectively, right. which means you could then be practicing twice as much without the workload or even more than twice as much without the workload, right? So if you can get good at visualizing, it could be really helpful. The other thing that people always ask for, it drives me crazy, can you send me a video of someone doing it correctly so I know what to mimic? And I always say, no. Because you watching someone do it does not equal you understanding how to do it. And your perception of a movement doesn't equal you understanding the movement, just like how video and film works. Sure. We fill in gaps when we can't see the movement, right? So if I can't catch those movements, my, my eyes fill in the gaps and I make assumptions and those assumptions are typically wrong, right? And that's, I feel like how a lot of coaching goes in general. We make assumptions based off of fast swimmers, do this, that person's fast, repeat it. And we're making assumptions, especially on a pool deck, of what's happening under the water. You can't see underwater unless you have a camera under the water or you stick your head below the water. Right. 
don't assume you know what's going on under the water. And that was a lesson that I learned as soon as I started coaching in the endless pool. Everything I thought I was seeing above the water was completely different than what I was actually seeing. And it completely changed the way that I view how to coach people now as well. Um, so people should absolutely be visualizing these movements. It's just how they do it is what's really important. Um, use the mirror, visualize. Don't have an expectation that you can maintain a movement longer than 15 seconds. And you were saying give homework. Um, would you recommend that some people have to go to master's practice or swim practice like five times or six times a week, but they just feel, you know, itchy and they got to get going, they got to move, right? But would you, as a coach, maybe prescribe that they don't participate in a practice and they go practice on their own for a limited period of time, maybe 30, 40 minutes of just learning the new movement? Uh, for me, I, I often tell people, you can't make a change, significant change, at a master's practice when you're constantly being pressured by your lane mates, mm. whether to keep up with the lane sure. or to lead the lane or you've got to remember the set, you got to watch your intervals, the coach is telling you something maybe differently than what you're, they're focused on. Right. Someone in your lane might be, be telling you, oh, I noticed your kick was doing this when I was behind you. You might want to fix that, right? There's a lot of distractions in general at a master's practice. So I always do recommend people try to do this in their own. Do you feel similar? Do you feel like they can master it in a master's practice? Or in any practice? You know, if I know I gave somebody homework and they're coming the next day and, um, you know, once it's it, on the pool deck, you know, did you have any success with the, the work that you were going to do overnight, you know, before the, the next practice here? And, and then in warm-up, I'll isolate them during the warm-up and see what their mechanic looks like and give them the feedback then. Look, okay, I see I see that big improvement over yesterday. Now let's see if we can you know, hold that, that mechanic through the entire entire practice. Then when I start seeing it break down, it's just subtle reminders because they're, you know, they're not there to get pounded. And you know, most of my swimmers don't want to get pounded on technique all the time. All the time, I'd rather right. be motivating them on other performance, mm -hmm. not just their technique. Because right. uh, well, as technique is important, I know their mindset too. They're like, hey, stop! I'm, I'm right. trying to break a minute on these ten one hundreds. Right. They can't be thinking about technique the entire time. Not the whole time because there's other there's other facets to the practice Absolutely. that are. Very, very important, especially to to um, high performance athletes. You know, right? Uh, so, it, when I see the breakdown, I might have a little subtle reminder, like a little cue. Yeah. Hey, you know, if it's somebody crossing over, out in front, get out in front. You're crossing, you're crossing, just to give them a little something, right? So they know I'm I'm paying attention. So because I want them to be thinking about this while they're swimming too. Right. But once again, they're a lot of times they're really putting a lot of effort into the actual right. workout. So, yeah, that's why oh, that's yeah. why I prescribe maybe. Yeah. You know, for the next six weeks, think of it as like a training cycle, maybe the next six to eight weeks, instead of doing five or six practices a week, you just do four of your master's practices and you go two times a week on your own so you can focus on this, knowing that this is the beginning of the training cycle. It's okay if you're not doing as much yardage, you're not working as hard, correct the technique, then work hard. Yeah, it's, most of my athletes, uh, they would push back to be, Perfectly honest. Yeah, sure. Would, some people would. You know, some of the, the, the beginner swimmers um, would be like, well, I'd rather have you watching me do it, even if I'm mm -hmm. just going slower at practice, which they're probably going slower at practice anyway. Yeah. So it's not starting out, uh, yeah, the, outside of the, the realm yeah. of the and practice. But some of the high-performance people, maybe a little bit less of, hey, take the day off and go work on your technique versus, 
hey, how about coming to a lesson? Uh, or, hey, let's isolate right. something, just a one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's knowing your athletes, knowing what That's their true. purpose is. And uh, I think for those people that only swim three days a week, it would be very good idea to have them go on an off day to get in the pool and just not worry about a, a set, not worry about a distance, uh, and then just spend some time. But once again, you have got to have, you must have educated them on how to recognize if they're doing it right. Right. Because especially if there's nobody else watching, how do they know? You know, and, and some of the drills that we teach give that instant feedback, whether it's the top hat drill, whether it's the parachute drill, whether it's... We call that paddlehead drill, by the way. But top hat drill, we call it paddlehead. Paddlehead, okay. Because right, you're not wearing a top hat, so don't call it top hat. But that's my, that's my thought. <laughs> yeah, so it's whatever you want to call it in, uh, in, 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 swim, in swim box vocab. Uh, like, like, like you said at the beginning, every coach has got a different vocabulary. Right. Sounds like swim box does too. So yeah, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing something right. Right. You're uh, coming up with your own jargon. Okay, yes. I like it. So one one of the things I really have been focused on within like the last two weeks is trying to to tell people I don't want you to memorize what to do. I need you to understand what to do, because what people have done in the past in the swim lessons they get out and they go, okay, now you've got to tell me everything we talked about. I'm going to write it down so I can remember to do this. But the point of the lesson was for you to understand why we did these drills or understand why I put weights and resistance on you, right? Understanding is learning. Memorization is the exact opposite of learning. It's almost kind of ignoring the learning process. It's, sure. it's saying, I don't actually want to understand. I want an easy template to follow. And there's no such thing in, in correction of movement, for sure, or in swimming in general. There's no easy template. That's probably why there's more than five, seven, 12 learning styles because everybody's going to process what you're telling them to do, especially in a mechanic. It's one thing to memorize how to spell a word. It's another thing to memorize history. But when you're doing mechanics on your own self, not the mechanics of how to build a robot that's going to uh, you know, swim in the pool, uh, we're not creating robots here. We're not creating artificial intelligence in people. We're creating and helping them be more intelligent on the feedback that they process when they're doing the motion or when they're thinking about it or visualizing it, what it looks like, and then am I doing that motion correctly? And then you give them the feedback when they come to the practice. So uh, right. you know, it just everything's a, everything's a teaching moment when you're, if you're a good coach, whether it's why they're doing a set, why they're doing a specific mechanic, why they're doing a specific part of that set, uh, because you understand the, the swimmer's goals. You, need, you know yeah. what motivates them to come. And if it's they're motivated to come because there's a lot of technique and they're really feeling good about, man, I'm getting so much better, I'm getting so much faster, and it's easier to swim. It used to be so hard to go that fast. Now it's easy to swim that fast. It means I can now take it up a notch to swim a little bit faster. That's what motivates them. Great, you're doing your job. Uh, but don't assume that everybody needs the same level of instruction, whether it's the same level yeah, of coaching, same level of the technique, uh, you know, you've got to understand your athletes, get the feedback, watch their body language, uh, don't scare them away, uh, and, and always be encouraging. Always find the positive and make sure people leave doing something well. Yeah. Because if, if you wait till the end of practice to try to make all the corrections, don't feel like that's a great great time to, yeah. to, um, to really get the reinforcement because 
first of all, they just did it maybe incorrectly for the entire practice until the very end. But then they might be leaving on a frustration note instead of a positive. Why couldn't I have fixed this earlier? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. What? What did I do well today, Coach? Because I want to. I want to leave the deck. I want to leave the pool in the most positive manner as possible. I want them to feel that way. That's what. That's what a master's coach should be doing: making people feel good about themselves, not inferior about themselves. Like God, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> they probably know this. Right. They don't need you to tell them this. It's, thank you for coming. Every once in a while, by the way, you get a swimmer that doesn't know they need a lot of work. Just, just so we're clear, yes. it's a thing that some people are oblivious. That, right. And once again, know your athletes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you're not blowing smoke up there. You know what? Right. It's, it's just time to be a positive force because people want to hear what they did well. They don't want to just hear what they did not so well. And if you can lead off with something that they're doing well, you're going to get their attention a lot quicker, and, and, and they're going to start listening to what you're going to, about to say. Then if there's the correction that follows, uh, there's a good chance, as long as you didn't overwhelm them, that they're going to actually say, you know what, okay, I did that well. Why, don't I, why wouldn't I want to add another feature to what I'm doing well? I'm, this is my sport. This is my activity. Hey, I'm an adult. Why wouldn't I want to do something better? Why wouldn't I want my the stock market to go up on my investments instead of down? Why wouldn't I want my house to increase in value? I, why wouldn't I want everything to be more positive in my life? And if this coach, this master's coach, sees potential in me to be better, why wouldn't I want to listen and at least try? I'm putting all this effort in, and and that's where you got to sell them on your on your your skills as a coach yeah, because they have invested their time and their talent with you uh, and so be I ready. I, on the other side of that coin, as a coach, are you willing to be investing that time into that athlete? Some coaches might not want to spend the time working with somebody at a certain level. Some coaches want to, right? So making sure that the not just knowing your athletes or is it a good connection that you're going to have with that athlete? Is it the type of athlete you want to be coaching? Um, and just also going back to kind of thinking about not overwhelming the, the, the athlete, um, you can almost, when you're on deck, you can almost tell who's a new coach because really new coaches are afraid they're going to tell the athlete the wrong thing. And then when they get a little confident, they want to try to make sure they give their money's worth of, uh, to that. And then they give too much correction. All right. And then as they kind of get better, I, I, if I had to think about it, it took me at least until like eight years of coaching to really edit myself. And then after eight years, maybe 10, 12 years into it, I could be a lot more patient about, all right, I'm going to give you the same exact cue or not cue, but focus um, every single practice for the next three weeks. Don't expect me to ask you to do anything else because this is the thing that I need you to focus on, right? It took me a really long time to develop that practice or that practice of patience as a, patience. As a coach. Um, in swim box, it's a little bit different. because I, I see people on a weekly basis. I see people maybe uh, every other week. Some people I see twice a week. And we can be very, very uh, patient and slow building in, in their changing of motor mm -hmm. skills. And it's just a different side of approach. And also going back to what you were saying with... Uh, knowing not what athletes you're supposed to give more feedback to versus I, I can definitely think of athletes that get what I'm saying, they understand the concepts, and every once in a while they just need a reminder. Right. And then I need then there's athletes that just need constant feedback. Constant like 
help to understand what it is we're trying to achieve. Yeah, you can give your athletes the attention, but you can't just focus in on one thing. You know, like I said, it's not just the technique. And you may be the, a great technician and see things that people could be doing better, but there's a time and a place, and yeah. there's other things that you can find that they're doing well. And maybe it's a set that that's been challenging for them. Maybe it's a test set that they did for the first time ever, or that they did better than they did the last time. Uh, so it's always finding what gets their attention, and it builds up your collateral as a coach, as a good coach as somebody that they can trust and that's paying attention, looking out for them, not just one thing. So many coaches, I see it on deck, either they're just vomiting all the knowledge that they think they have. Yes, uh, it's like they're trying, trying to prove their self-worth right. or something. Every, like, how much I know. Every practice. And, you know, their egos are writing checks that their real skill level can't cash. Uh, and it's very apparent. They don't see it. They don't hear it. They just think that they are a know-it-all. I know this. I know this. I know this. Yeah, yeah I, I know it, and I want to. I want to tell you it, and you need to do it this way because I read this and I know. <laughs> read this. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, I, I saw. Been, I been, saw this video. <laughs> I've been teaching this for thirty years. Oh, I, I know. That. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. Well, if you've been doing it the same way for thirty years, uh, <laughs> you're probably not doing it as well as you right. could. Things have changed since yes. then. Because once again. Uh, same kind of thing when they come to the coach certification. Well, I've been coaching for 30 years. I don't need this class. Really? Okay. What have you been doing? What did you do different this year than you did last year? You know, what did, what did you do? Because one quote that I, I like to say is, you know, um, what got you here won't get you there. You know? Ooh. So it's like if you're only satisfied like as a coach with where you are now because what got me here, what's going to get you better? Not what you've been doing, what you can do differently, either what you can learn as a coach, uh, what more skills can you take, but then what you practice and practice. Yeah, you're speaking about coaches, but that's true for swimmers too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But what did you do last year? Or this oh, year differently, year. right? I mean, that's so that's so easy to point out to a swimmer that is set in their ways. This is how I swim. I'm not changing it. Right. Okay. Hey, I want to get I want to get faster. Well, what are you, we going to do different this year? Because if we continue to do the same thing, especially as as adults and we're aging, there's only a couple of things. Either we can put more time and effort into it, we can change our technique, or we're not going to really do anything different. And maybe we're actually going to get slower. Yeah. Because of age, because of maybe an impingement, maybe an illness. Who knows what the right. case may be? But if we're not willing to do something different, why would we expect a different outcome? It just boils down to that. But coaches get into a rut, they write the same workouts, or they yeah, recycle, recycle the same workouts, yeah. it's the same season plan year after year, and they wonder why their athletes aren't getting any better, or why they're not improving as a coach. Because many coaches just think they have done it this way, or know it all, uh, and are not willing to try something different. You know, there's a lot of great coaches that change things by at least 10% of what they're doing. Are they spending more time on speed work by 10% than they did the last season? Are we spending more time on distance? Are we spending more time on strokes? What am I doing different because I want my athletes to be better? Right. But you got to change. But most coaches aren't willing. They're so set in their ways and they just lazy. I yeah, that is lazy. Kind of lazy. It's, you know? it's mental laziness. Right. It's not even physical and, laziness. And then they wonder why they, oh, I feel so burnt out. I'm lazy because I'm kind of really burnt out on this. Well, you're not changing anything. Who wouldn't get burnt out of writing the same workouts? Right. And, and, saying the same techniques or whatever. Right. Try a new drill. Try something different. Does it work for everybody? No, maybe. Maybe yes, but it's something different. You never know until you try it. And you yeah. never know until you experiment on the athletes. And they're willing 
to be that guinea pig because something different might be right. better for them it than the same them. drill you've been doing for 30 years. There's right. new stuff out there, coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I So my, uh, my new favorite phrase is question the assumptions of swimming. Right? A lot of swimming is just built off of assumptions. And a lot of coaches don't question them. They just they just go with them. So as a as a coach, as an athlete, everyone should be questioning these assumptions. And it's a simple thought. So if it's not working for you, question why it's not working for you. I, I fully believe in questioning everything I do. I don't ever believe that what I'm doing is right. I have to question it. And it will lead me down a path that eventually will get me to a better place as a coach and we'll get my swimmers to a better place as swimmers. Right. Um, so we just have a tough job, especially in master's coaches when we're coaching a practice with so many different ability levels, so many people with different goals and it, it makes it hard to write one workout for everybody. But there's no problem writing one workout from, for everybody, but delivering the workout to individuals is really what coaches should strive to do. Yeah. 10 100s is 10 100s. Can everybody do 10 100s? Maybe. But does, can everybody do 10 100s on four minutes or is it one minute? And how <laughs> right. do you challenge everybody that can do on the opposite ends of each of that and everything in between? And it's that's when the coach earns his key and really shows his effectiveness is how do you challenge each person in that workout and deliver a meaningful experience and want them to come back for more the next day. Yeah. And it's it's not easy, but it can be done. And if you need some advice on how to do it, um, probably get in touch with you, and they can get in touch with me, and we can... Well, how do people get in touch with you? What's the uh, best way? Oh, the best way to reach me is... By the way, people email me all the time when I give out my email, so if you give out your email, expect to be reached. Well, you can reach me through usms.org. Okay. Uh, look on the website. My email address is posted on the website under uh, the national staff, or you can contact Club and Coach Service at USMS. Okay. .org or usmasterssswimming.org. Okay. Um, I feel like I could talk to you all day long because I did. You did. <laughs> I know. With you. Yeah. So because of that, I don't want to talk anymore. Ever again, it feels like at this point. And we have to get up tomorrow and talk so going to do it again. Just, just, yeah, just five or six hours. Oh, that's it. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's wrap this up. Anything that you want to, like... Close with you feel like you got a good a lot, was lot of information I, there. Yeah, yeah, it's a little scattered all over, but that's ah, kind of okay. what this goes. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like there was a script and it was like key points. But you know, go back and listen to it again if you have the time to go, go listen and maybe take a few notes. That's why we keep it short so you can re-listen to it. And I, I like the idea of this podcast as being someone eavesdropping in a conversation that we would have. Yeah. All right. And good. actually, somebody is eavesdropping right now. In this room with us. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> Morgan Lattimore is in the room with us. In the room. Just watching us and listening. Just like you are listening right now on the podcast. Um, and if you want to look at Morgan Lattimore Latitude Racing, you can speak. You can speak. I'm asking you. Latitude for coaching. Latitude Pure Coaching. Pure Coaching. Shout out. Shout out. There you go. So now he has to now he has to share this podcast because I shouted him out. <laughs> um, all right. So if anyone wants to get in touch with me, 
like every single podcast, well, not every single podcast, most podcasts, I always give out my email. It's Dominic at theswimbox.com. You can obviously find us. What? Dominic? I thought it was Dominique. No, it's Dominic. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm reliving my childhood here in Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta, and I grew up being called Dominique my entire childhood, and now I get it from Morgan here in Atlanta, and I love it. It's, it makes me laugh, by the way. It makes me say it. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill likes to call me Dominique now. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So you can reach me at Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C, at theswimbox.com. Um, obviously, we're on Instagram at swimbox underscore, swim underscore box. We are on Twitter at swimboxblog, and you can find us on YouTube. If you're watching this, you already found us on YouTube, so good job. Um, you can just actually, I don't need to tell you how to find us. Just Google Swimbox, you'll find us. Um, and make sure you rate the podcast. Leave us a review. We want to know how we're doing, and people leaving us reviews helps us get more visits and views and people listening and subscriptions. All right? Great. Great. Great job. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>